0: Welcome back to the Brandon and Joe podcast. Our guest today is Ari Heimowitz. He is currently receiving his PhD in IO psychology from Hofstra University and also works at Latchmere Consulting as an associate management consultant. Welcome Ari. Thanks for joining us. Thanks
1: for having me, gentlemen. i happy to be you know, on the list of quite distinguished guests you've had on. So pleasure to be here.
0: Long time no see, Ari. <laughs> I know. I feel like I'm crashing like a team meeting. Um. I mean, we've, we've mentioned, Brandon, that you work at Latchmere, too. So, and Ari also works at Latchmere, as I just said. Um, so maybe I f- I'll kind of feel included now. <laughs> it's <You're> nice. Part <laughs> of the team. Yeah, welcome, Joe. Welcome. Thank you. We, we had Jen on here, consulting? too. Yeah, yes, we, just, we had Jen on recently. Um, well, the whole Latchmere squad. <laughs> um, but, yes, thank you for for joining us. Um, as we said, you're currently going for your PhD. Um is that something like you've always wanted to do? I feel like we ask a lot of people who either have their PhDs or like are going for them because it is like a really big decision. Were you just like, yep, PhD, that's what I'm gonna do, or is it like last minute sort of decision?
1: Yeah, sure. No, and that's a really good it's a good and fair question. So when I first started my masters, I didn't have any goals of going for my PhD. It wasn't I didn't think, oh, I'm not gonna get my PhD but I went in really just open-minded and wanting to learn more about the field. And, you know, our program at Hofstra and a lot of other IO masters programs really gear you up to be a professional, to get right into the field and to start doing some positive work. Um, But sometime in my first year, I just fell in love with the field way more than I thought I would. And I wanted to keep my studies going and I wanted to just master the skills that come along with being an IO psychologist. So both on the research side and the practitioner side and doing the PhD program was a really good avenue for that.
2: Yeah. I mean, you talk about like trying to master the skills and learning. Uh, I sit with you in a lot of team meetings, so I can say that I've watched you Get closer and closer to mastery. Uh, And I know that on a professional front, I definitely look up to how you conduct yourself professionally as well, not talking about the IO stuff. Um, One story that you've talked to me about, and I would love for our uh, listeners to hear is kind of your path to IO. Um, Like you're talking about if you thought about doing IO, doing the PhD, like what was your path prior to going into the master's program and how did you end up there?
1: Yeah, sure. So, I'll start by saying that I think that IO psychology, I like to call it the best kept secret in academia and the professional (laughs) world, just because a lot of people don't know about it, especially in undergrad. Um, So, I started off in undergrad as a biology major um, and thinking I wanted to go pre med. And I kind of found out the hard sciences weren't for me. Uh, Took, you know, a few chemistry classes and just wasn't my thing, so I switched around and I became a business major. And while I, I enjoyed it, but there was just something missing there. There wasn't really a human element to what I was learning. It felt very almost robotic. So from there, I became a psych major. And like a lot of your guests and people you'll talk to in the field, I knew that clinical wasn't the route for me. Uh, my mom is a clinical psychologist and. I just knew I didn't want to do that so somewhere in like my senior year of college I just don't know how someone brought it up to me they asked have you ever thought about IO and just did a little bit of research and found out that it combined business and psychology and it felt like a great fit and you know five years later into my post-grad career
0: it I feel like it is we need some like better branding for IO. Cause I, I, I like your, what you said, like best kept secret yeah. um, because it's like, Oh, you do IO. What is that? And then you have like a long list of like things like, well, it's this, it's this, it's this. Um, but you're right. Like no one really knows what it is unless someone's brought up, to, like unless it's like brought up to them. Um, Cause it's not in like any like major media, like you have like clinical psychology and like other doctors and like Businessmen in like movies, but like an IO psychologist, <laughs> you never really see that.
1: Yeah. And the, I think the closest representation we really kind of have is in that show, Billions, right?
0: Yeah.
1: And I like to. I don't know if I've seen it. So in the show, they have someone who's kind of like a performance coach. She's not quite an IO, but kind of like a performance coach. And I'll tell people, yeah, that's kind of what we do. Um, but. Otherwise, people, you know, you explain it to them, and they're like, oh, it's kind of like HR. I'm like, yep, it, you can get a job in HR. In many organizations, it's HR adjacent. But I think part of it, too, is it's just such a versatile
0: field that it's hard for people to grasp what it actually is. Is that the show with, like, the, the hedge fund? Is that the one I'm thinking of? Oh, okay. I was mixing it up with the one with um, The Rock. I don't know what the other one I'm thinking of. Uh, I know yes, what you're that, talking about. It's a great point, Ari.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think you're right, too, just with the amount of things you can do in I.O. and how like vast the opportunity is, it really gets kind of hard to brand it because there's so many things that can fall under that umbrella. Um, to backtrack and go back to the discussion about your PhD, Ari, um, as of right now, uh, we know you're kind of working on your dissertation We haven't really spoken about dissertation work much on this podcast. So, could you kind of walk Joe and I through and our guests, like how it is working on your dissertation and how that process really starts to, and then where you get to now with that? Sure.
1: So, when you hear about getting a PhD, something that everybody immediately thinks of is the dissertation and the dissertation process. And it kind of feels like it's this big, veiled secret or something that's not really well understood to your point brandon coming into the phd program i knew i was gonna have to work on my dissertation or i was gonna get to work on my dissertation uh towards the end of my you know tenure here in my third year where i currently am so i came into the program to the phd program having an idea that i wanted to study something in the realm of leadership and for a lot of people It may seem like there's this pressure to know exactly what you want to study and really hone in on it. But I think the way that I came up with my topic was just keeping an open mind and seeing what's out there in the research and find what really sparked my interest. So, in my time in the master's program, I worked with Dr. Salter at Hofstra in his wild lab, which is uh, workplace inclusivity, leadership, and diversity. Um did a lot of research in the DNI space, uh, mixed with leadership. Um, later on, I did some research with Dr. Shapiro on kind of surveys and measurement and how that actually works. Um, and then also throughout my time in the PhD program, we have to do one large research progr- uh, research project every year. So always incorporated some sort of leadership aspect in there. Um, so where I came up with my actual topic was I was taking a class with Dr. Seymour Adler and that class was really focused on the applied side of IO psychology. And we were talking about different measures of personality and Dr. Adler just had this great passion for the Hexaco model of personality, um, for If you didn't know, it's the five-factor model or the big five plus honesty and humility. And that kind of just the light bulb went off in my head. And this topic of humility just really stuck with me. And I started thinking, you know, it would be so great if more leaders and organizations had humility. So that was just kind of sitting there and I was, you know, stewing on it for for quite a while. And in the program, we also learned about the dark side of personality and the dark side of leadership. I know you both are also Hogan certified, so you learn about the dark side and something that a lot of people talk about and a lot of people have experience with in the workplace is narcissism or narcissistic leaders. So it was just kind of throwing around in my head, you know. What would it look like if someone who's more narcissistic was also humble or had humility? And the reason for that is research shows that people higher in narcissism tend to emerge as leaders in organizations. They do well in interviews. They do well at standing out and are seen as having these characteristics that are typical as leaders. But once they're in those positions and over time, they can end up being you know, pretty abusive, self-centered, um, not as relationship-oriented. So diving into the literature, it just seemed like a great fit to throw in humility, and I want to see, so that's the topic of my dissertation, gonna com- we're combining narcissism and humility, but particularly I want to look at how it affects leaders' emergence. Because humility is this characteristic that can kind of tamper this narcissism that leaders have. So how, does, how do decision makers or hiring managers view people who are high in both narcissism and humility, but then also how do their potential followers view it? Like, will people who show higher humility, will they get nixed in the eyes of these decision makers, but will their followers want to see that trait more?
0: So. Sounds great. I always find it interesting, like the process, because I feel like there's not one single process from like start of idea to end of idea for a thesis. Um, I couldn't imagine having to like come up with one by myself. And it's interesting to see how specific you have to get, because you can't really just have a, a topic of just like leadership in the workplace. Right. Like I feel like the, I mean, we know that's like way too broad. Um, so actually like specifying and getting it like down to a T, I mean, it seems pretty like tedious. Do you have to meet with like a supervisor, um, or professors and just being, I want to study this and they're like, well, we should move it around a little bit. And you're like, all right, I'm going to study this and like, just really hone it in. Like, is that like a way you do it? So you
1: you work with an advisor over the course of your, you know, three years in the PhD program. And I guess I'll go back to that first point you made where it it seems that it it becomes a very specific topic. Mm -hmm. Um, And so with dissertations, you know, you're not reinventing the wheel. You're you're not going to come up with something so incredibly groundbreaking that no one's ever heard of or has never done before. But it's an incredible opportunity to dive deeper into a specific area and add just a, a little bit of knowledge to our understanding as a field. So that's that's one piece of it. And then the other piece of it is some people may feel this, you know, you work with your advisor and a lot of times and I think in a lot of programs you work on their research, you help support their research. And through that you gain more experience to to research methods, how to conduct studies because ultimately you'll have to do your own piece which is the dissertation but it's it really happens just through exploration on your own reading up on articles having conversations with folks like yourself things that just interest you and you know when you find that interest you just keep refining it you know it didn't i didn't start and say okay i'm going to look at narcissism and humility see how they interact in terms of leader emergence it didn't start there like i said it started with oh humility it's really awesome it's super important narcissism leaders are a lot of leaders are narcissistic and then it just went from there
2: it's an interesting like pathway to get to where you are now like working on your dissertation just like a thought that comes to my mind like when talking about leadership and narcissism I want to know when you were reading and looking did you ever look into anything with the trickle down effect and like maybe the ideas around how that could be impacted by narcissism because if not I was that just like sounds like a very interesting topic as well like leaders who represent a certain way how does that affect the followers
1: um yeah i mean there's a whole lot of research out there on how it impacts both individual followers, but also teams. And so in terms of narcissism, you find that psychological safety within a whole team is actually becomes lower if they're higher in narcissism. Um, Trust for a leader within the team becomes lower. And that's not just at the individual level, but it works up to the teams. So it absolutely
0: can trickle down. When you... Like are working on your thesis. Are you able to bounce ideas off of the other people in your um, I guess cohort because I what is there like five or other six people in like the Hofstra year with you? or is the topics like so separate that it's like it's kind of hard to work with other people?
1: Um, I mean, I think I have a great cohort. The se- there's seven of us, and we're really close and we have a lot of research conversations and topics. So I actually had the the pleasure of doing a research study last year with two of my colleagues, Jamie Foreman and Mariana Garcia. And I had an interest in leadership humility, hadn't done research on it before. And they had an interest in DEI, like gender stereotypes. Um, So we were able to actually combine both of those ideas. And we did a study where we looked at how people perceive leaders who are high or low in humility uh based on their gender and also level in the organization and that was a really great study that we ended up receiving the provost research scholar award for so it's a piece that i'm really proud of and hoping to see if we we get into psyop with it this year
2: that's awesome like i remember when i remember when they announced that and that was that's super exciting big congrats again from joe and i for that um so you, t- you mentioned, like, submitting that to PSYOP. Uh, you did submit to PSYOP last year. Um, so could you maybe run Joe and I and our listeners kind of through that experience of not just, like, the process of submitting, but what that was like and being at PSYOP and, like, how that was for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the research process is, is just really fascinating. Uh, it's something that even when... I'm off in the applied world. It's something that I want to keep doing. Um, so once you once you're done with your research and you get results, hopefully it turns out the way you'd like it to. Oftentimes it doesn't, um, but you we have this awesome conference, annual conference for our field in up That is a great place to show your research to others. So. A lot of the work is if you do your research well. A lot of the work is done uh, before psyop. So the way the process really works is over the course of a year. We so the one you're talking about, we came up with the idea for the study in the fall semester. In the spring semester, we conducted the study, and got our results. Um, did the analyses and wrote up the you know results and discussion of our paper. And we had some supported hypotheses, which is always great. And by the time PsyUp came around in the fall, we actually had like a 25 or 30 page paper. And SIOP, the submissions are much shorter and it also depends on the session. But poster sessions, I think you guys can fact check me on this, (laughs) are like 3,000 words. So it's really distilling down just like, the most important parts of your research, getting it into those 3,000 words. Um, and you submit it in October at some time. Um, and then usually around this time of the year in December, you'll hear back if, you, if you've if you been accepted or not. So if you hear back, knock on wood, you get that, that email that says you've been accepted. Um, then you have to prepare for your session. So in my case, it was a poster session. So before PSYOP, I'd say, you know, six weeks, two months before my research partner and I got together and we made a poster and we really just tried to, again, distill down the most interesting or important parts of our research that we'd be able to share with with everyone at the conference.
2: That's like good professional practice, like trying to take this like robust study you do and then try to communicate it in a smaller amount of words. I feel like that's probably like very good for your professional development as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'd say so. I think, you know, Brandon, we're colleagues all the time. You have these kind of big ideas that you need to communicate in a short amount of time, whether it be with your boss or with a client. So the same thing goes for for research right and presenting it in a poster i guess it could be analogous to writing a big project like writing up a big project summary in an email you know, you have okay. weeks and weeks of information and next steps and plans but how are we going to communicate that so it's understandable to the person on the other end of that email
0: i know that the poster seminars were like places in PSYOP were one of my favorites. And I, Brandon, I know you've really enjoyed it too Yeah, because cool. you get to like go up to these people and they're so involved and interested in their own topic that you can, I feel like you can ask them like any sort of question and they know the answer because they've researched it so much. And as you said, like you research it so much and then you have to boil it down. So I bet the questions we're asking, like they've already answered, but they just maybe couldn't fit it on the poster. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. Right.
1: And when you do a study for over the course of a year, it really becomes your baby and something that you've worked really hard on and you're proud of. So last year I was lucky enough. I had three posters accepted and it was great when people came up and asked questions. And I think sometimes what was the most exciting is getting those questions that you didn't even think about. And you're kind of challenged on the spot to to engage with that person on it and Go through that what if scenario so
2: yeah i remember joe and i coming up and asking you a few questions at your poster and <laughs> during one of those sessions so that i don't know if ours were challenging enough for you though i feel like <laughs> I feel like you handled
0: them pretty well <laughs> so these these master students with their dumb questions <laughs> hey he came on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> had no, to like the
2: questions enough <laughs> no
1: you guys were great and we had we had some awesome bonding over you know post psyop after 100%. the conference great time
2: i was just gonna say like you know you talk about like psyop and like the preparation for it and how it was good to kind of practice that we were talking about doing client emails. Um, maybe Ari, if you could just kind of touch on the type of work you do and like how you're working in the PhD and work and doing your work through the masters, like how has that really prepared you for the type of work you're doing now? Like you're, I mean, really quick, just to get on the soapbox, just for a second, like I get to work with Ari multiple times a week. So I, and Joe's heard me talk about how much like I I learned from you and the way you work, but also just like the type of work you do. So I I feel like to kind of hear about what you do for our listeners would be really cool because I think it's really helpful for me personally. Yeah, I really appreciate Brandon. And no, I I really enjoy working
1: with you. Glad that you're part of the team. So You know, I think there's some parallels between being a graduate student and and working in the field that we do and consulting. There's a lot of time management and prioritization you need to do um, and also meeting deadlines with deliverables. I guess you could draw, you know, it's kind of analogous to you're in four or five classes and you have to balance doing your readings and writing your papers and studying for your tests same thing at work you could be working with on three or four projects with different clients writing emails following up on different tasks and then preparing for you know could be whether it be a workshop or uh, a big team session that you're doing so we could walk it back a little bit to like the work that we actually do so our company we work with you know i've been with latchmere for two and a half years. Small company, uh, only a handful of us, <laughs> tight shop, but we do some really interesting work. In my time, I've worked with a startup company in Norway that had maybe 30 employees that they're actually up in the Arctic and they were a tour operator. So I've worked with a startup internationally. We work with one of the largest university systems in the country. Um a lot of different projects. Uh, I've touched the policy development space. We've worked on, uh, right now I'm working on a team integration project or team merger. Um, And we've also worked with a large global Fortune 500 developing leadership development training, uh, trainings and workshops. So I've really been able, lucky, grateful to have such a wide range of experience in my time with the company. So, I think it's it's always good to remind yourself of what you've learned in school, but also you be open to build new skills. So, as a graduate student, as a master's student, a PhD student, you're good at learning, right? So, keeping that passion and energy for learning new things will always help you on the job. And then the other part is being fortunate enough to work in a field that's related to IO psychology. So it's not always straight from the textbook to, to the client, but I think a, a key is remembering what you've learned, knowing solid theory and ideas, and working it in when you can. You know, if you go to clients and start reading them, Adam's equity theory, they <laughs> they may just get lost. But you have that tool in your pocket and when it's like right to work things in, it's great. So we're working on this team merger I was talking about and we know a lot about team development, team formation. So we've been working in just basic aspects of like the Tuckman's model of team development, uh forming, storming, norming, adjourning. And we use that to really communicate the message to these these folks, like, hey, it's normal to feel this conflict when you're coming together as a team. So you're really in that nor- or storming phase there.
0: So mm-hmm. it sounds it sounds great, but it also sounds hectic. I couldn't imagine working in the external consulting world. <laughs> um, I, I feel like it has like it's good and bad. So like on the good hand, like you get to do so many different things and like apply all these different IO principles. Um, And I shouldn't say bad, but just a lot. (laughs) I I hear from people that work in that world that it could just be, yeah, a lot. Um, And you kind of did give us some pieces of advice right at the end of your saying right there. Um, But I was wondering as like our last final question, are there any types of advice that you would give to incoming I.O. students um, or even students that are currently in a program?
1: Yeah, and I think... You know, this goes back to a lot of things I touched on throughout this conversation. I think keeping an open mind and keeping a passion for learning, and you know, looking out for for things that you didn't think would be interesting. Um, you never know the journey that you're gonna go on, and just keep an open mind and keep the passion that you have for the field. And for those that are thinking about joining an I.O. program. I highly recommend it. Those that are in, in the midst of their program, keep at it. You'll get through it.
2: Um, yeah. I think that's great advice. Like the idea of like keeping an open mind while also having that like learning mindset, I think is just so important. And like Aria, I think through your stories, one like talking about your path to IO, your work on the dissertation, like it really kind of shows that like your ability to kind of just go with the flow and see what fits for you and kind of your career is now like working in the way that it's like best for you. And I think that that's like a really good reflection of like your own advice there. And I think our viewers and listeners are going to like really think that that's awesome to hear. I sure hope so.
0: <laughs> Especially the the constant learning. Like I know, I mean, we've all been students before. Sometimes you are sitting in class, you're like, I just need the grade. I just want to pass. Like, I don't want to act like, and we know some students feel like that, but that idea of still learning because you will be able to use the stuff you learn in class, especially in a master's program in like the actual field. And if you really hone down those, like you're saying, Adam's equity theory, maybe you don't go to a client and be like, well, according to Adam's equity theory. But if you really know the theory, like the back of your hand, and you can apply the principles. Like as you were saying, you're basically telling them to use Adam's equity theory without actually saying the name of it. Um, and that was all from class. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I mean, as we know, IO psychology is all about understanding human behavior at the workplace. So tying it back to being an external consultant when you're faced with all these different challenges or asks that clients have, you just take it back to human behavior. And a lot of it does relate. Some of it doesn't. And that's where learning still comes into play. You pick up new skills. And, you know, hopefully we're we're here to make work better for everybody and make organizations a better place so
2: yeah that's like that driving factor i think that drive a lot of people to io in general it's like you hear these stories of people who got to the field they're like i worked a job and i didn't like this let me fix this <laughs> and then they like end up in an io program or something along those lines but it's true like try to make the workplace better try to make it enjoyable like Think about how many hours a week you spend working, and Ari, yours will change once you're not doing your dissertation. So it's like the amount of time that you spend on your computer or in the office, like you want to make sure people are happy while they're doing that.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I'm fortunate enough right now to be working two full-time jobs that I really enjoy. <laughs> one being a student <laughs> in the dissertation and one being my job at Latchmere. <laughs> right. So, it'll, be, it'll be nice to only have one full-time job.
0: I can't um, imagine. Yeah, Anytime I'm going to complain, I'll just think of Ari. Be like, you know, it could, <laughs> it could be harder. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but thank you, Ari, for coming on our podcast and talking about your experience. Um, I always love hearing people's experience during their PhD because everyone has a different take on like, their process. Um, so it's just always interesting to hear. But, yeah, thank you again for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much, Ari. It's been a pleasure.
2: All right, Joe. So another great episode. Um, you know, we're really turning you into a Latchmere team member uh, on this podcast. Getting all of our uh, people on here. We only have a few more left. <laughs>
0: but, I know. I'm happy. I'm happy to be a part of it. Um, <laughs> say, it seems like a great team so far. But it was it was great getting to talk to Hari again. Um, we get to talk to him a lot outside of the podcast. Uh, we'll even see him at PSYOP a lot too. Just hearing about his process or the phd and him like really dive into it uh almost makes me want to go for my own
2: <laughs> yeah no like i mean i'm fortunate enough as i kind of spoke to on the podcast to get to talk to ari mostly every day if not like at least weekly um he just always he he like walks the walk talks the talk like he really is just so good at getting work done doing it effectively, communicating effectively. I, I really enjoyed all of his advice and what he had to say. So um, I thought he really gave us a lot of good pieces there, Joe.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I'm excited to get to, uh, maybe we'll have him on for a part two once that dissertation is done. Uh, but thank you everybody for listening. Uh, we enjoyed as always, and hopefully we get to see you next week. Yeah, see you guys next week.